0: still in our series on the Beatitudes, um, and today we will talk about um, verse 9. We're going to be talking about being peacemakers. I don't know how to work that thing. This is actually probably fine. I'm short, so. Anyway, um, so the series on the Beatitudes that we've talked been talking about is um, being countercultural. So what it... Listening to these last few sermon series, what does it mean to be countercultural? Anybody remember? Go ahead, Isaac. Yep. Not going with the ways of the world. What else did you say? Okay. What else? This is not for us. Ours is on the back. What else does being countercultural mean? Standing out with God's love. Yep, exactly. Um, I think of a song, and we'll talk a little bit, or we'll talk a little bit about it later. But they'll know we are Christians by our love. So by the way that we behave, people will know we are Christians. A few weeks ago, when I talked about um, mercy, I told you guys that we have two objectives in life. Does anybody remember what those two objectives were? It's been a while, so you might not remember. So number one to become more like Christ, and number two, to glorify God. Those are our two objectives as Christians that we want to continue our lives to become more and more like Christ, and then we want to glorify God. So everything we do is to glorify God. And if you live according to the Beatitudes, you're going to also see, so the Beatitudes are kind of a precursor to the fruits of the Spirit. So if you're living the Beatitudes, you're going to be Seeing the results of the, which would be the fruits of the Spirit. So, <clears throat> and we'll read through the, um, the Beatitudes again. Um, but who remembers what the fruits of the Spirit are? Go ahead, Harmony. Wow, she got them all. Say it again loud. <laughs> Yep, good job. Love, joy, peace—that's what we're going to talk about today. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, the result of living a life of the beatitudes is the fruits of the spirit. So, you're going to see all those things in your life as a result of living this way. Um, so, we'll read through um, the fruits of the spirit or the uh, Sermon on the Mount again, Matthew, uh, starting in Matthew chapter one. So, just follow along. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so today we're gonna focus on verse nine, um, which is blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay, so we live, we're gonna be talking about peace and being a peacemaker. We live in a world full of conflict, right? What do you see when you turn on the news or you read the newspaper or you sit in your history class at school? What do you hear about? Conflict, yep, hmm yep. So we, we see this conflict all throughout. We've seen it from the beginning of time. I looked up what the definition of conflict is, and there's a, quite a few, but here are some words that came to mind. Angry, disagreement between people or groups, argument, dispute, and war. So all kind of things that we, we hear and see readily in the news. So every one of these words is um, seen daily. And just to give you a bit of history, I, I, I love that Caleb's a history buff, so I decided to copy him. Um, so since 1945, how many wars do you think we've had around the world? 450. 450 wars around the world since 1945. So in fact, we took it a step further, only 8% of all of time. Since all of creation have we lived in peace. So if only 8% of the time we've lived in peace, how often have we lived in conflict? Math wizards, 100 minus eight, 92%. 92% of the the time since all of creation we've lived in conflict, we've had conflict. There are an estimated $420 billion in lawsuit costs, there were, in the United States in 2020, and only the United States. $420 $420 billion in lawsuit costs. So a lawsuit is where somebody hires an attorney, they've, they've been injured or they've been offended or there's something has happened and they decide to sue. So $420 billion in, in 2020 in the US. There's marital conflict. Over 41% of people married have experienced at least one divorce. There's political conflict. I'm not sure I really even need to go there. Last couple of days, right? So you we, we know what I'm talking about. Conflict is a way of life. So the world we live in, those, those terms, angry, disagreement, dispute, war, all those things that I talked about as far as definitions, we see that all the time. It's, it's a way of life. But it is not the way of life that Jesus has called us. Jesus has called us to peace, peace in your home, peace in the community, peace in our nation, peace in the world, I love the, there's a psalm that I really love. It's Psalm 122.8. This is Psalm of David, and he's praying, um, he's praying for everyone. And he says uh, in this psalm, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace within you. The reason I like, I really like this scripture is because what he's talking about is the inner peace that God wants us to have, living this beatitude of being a peacemaker, you cannot have this type of peace apart from God. So people that don't know the Lord like we, don't, like we know the Lord will not experience this level of just inner peace and tranquility and just a complete and total calm. It is not the absence of conflict, and it's not an emotion, just like we talked about love isn't. It? Instead, it's a completeness and a wholeness in union with Christ, regardless of your circumstances. So the Beatitudes, again, are just a radical way of living. They're a radical way of kingdom living. Um, pastor Vance Pittman, who is a pastor of Hope Church in Las Vegas, said it like this. He says, the Beatitudes are eight radical declarations of kingdom living, resulting in contentment in the midst of chaos. So a couple of words I bolded, I bolded. Radical declarations, kingdom living, contentment, and chaos. So regardless of our circumstances, we live this radical way of these beatitudes, and we have this contentment because we have hope in Jesus Christ, right? So if we reread um, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So what is a peacemaker? You might not realize this, but Jesus is the only one that used that word in the Bible. Peace is a different story. The word peace is actually used over 400 times in the Bible. It's in every book of the New Testament except 1 John. But peacemaker is what Jesus referred to. He referred to us as blessed if we are peacemakers, and then we will be called children of God. The root word of peacemaker is, of course, peace, and this signifies a harmonious relationship. So, not the absence of war but the reconciliation of relationship, just like we were reconciled to God through Jesus Christ through the finished work on the cross. So when there was division, there's now reconciled relationship. So peacemaker goes on to, to mean, that's, that's the, root, the root word is peace, which is harmonious relationship, but maker is to do. So this is again an action. We've talked about this, how these beatitudes are actions. That's not just a noun or describing something. This is, this is our, our faith in action. So basically, at the heart of the peacemaker is reconciliation, and it's a harmonious relationship to make or to do, so to make reconciliation. So it's kind of this two-part component. And it is one who takes responsibility for reconciling broken relationship. And as citizens of heaven, it is our responsibility to reconcile broken relationships. It's how we are to live as followers of Jesus. One thing that... um, I, I was thinking about in preparing this sermon and, and the last one too, is just talking about this kind of radical way of living. Like it, it goes beyond what most people would do. We just go out of our way radically and intentionally to restore relationships. And we need to make the first move, just like Jesus did. Jesus made the first move. The Bible tells us that we love because he first loved us. And he asks us to do the same for our relationships that we, that we have as well to make that first move, to go toward the person, to reconcile whatever relationship it is. And this single beatitude um, really is, I feel like, one of the beatitudes that, that has a, quite possibly maybe the most immediate benefit can you think of a time when you've been in conflict with somebody, a friend or your parent? Uh, maybe had an argument, or maybe, you know, in my case, maybe an argument with my spouse or um, something. And how unsettled you feel during that argument, like if you're not at peace. So, say you argue, and then you know both people walk away out of the room or whatever. Um, during that time of separation. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have kind of that feeling of, oh, I just don't feel right about this. I I feel yucky, I feel icky, but yet sometimes you're still mad and you don't want to reconcile, but how good it feels when either you or the other person says, I love you, I'm sorry, let's make this right, and how good that feels when that relationship is restored. So we've all kind of been there. So what does it look like to live out being a peacemaker? You guys probably have learned by now, I like to have bullet points and I like videos too, so you get another video today. I don't think this one will make you cry as much. It might though, I I teared up, I have to admit. So the first point is that I am responsible to share with others how they can have peace with God. So this doesn't say you are responsible, I mean you are, but, but what this is, is this is taking personal accountability. I'm responsible to share with others how they can have that peace. People are going to look to you and think, how is this person living you know, so happy in all this conflict in the world? And they're going to want to know what that's all about. And that is only, again, through union and reconciliation with God. One of the first ways to demonstrate this is to let others know how they can experience this peace. Romans five one says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that when you hear the word, therefore, when you see that word, therefore, what does that mean? It means more to come. There's more to come. So in this verse, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. So this always signifies this continuation of the story. So whatever the current circumstance, there's always more to come. There's always more to the story. So if people don't see Christians as having peace, they won't be drawn to us, and they won't be drawn ultimately to Christ, right? So because we've been justified by faith, because we have that, we have peace with God, and we want everybody else to be able to have that peace as well. We know Jesus is the mediator. He stepped in between God and man and reconciled us to God, and we have a responsibility. I am responsible to share that peace with other people. Have you heard the saying, they'll know we are Christians by our love? I just mentioned it a little bit earlier. There's a song, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, by our love, blah, blah, blah. It's a great song. I love that song. My daughter actually made me a sign that I have in my office um, at work, and it says, by our love. And the reason she made that for me is because that's what they grew up with. How will they know we are Christians by our love? And I think you could replace that with peace, too. They'll know we are Christians by our peace. Everyone is looking for peace in today's world right now. And we're not going to get it from the news. We're not going to get it from social media. We're not going to get it from a lot of our friends. We're not going to get it from all these outside sources. The only place we're going to get that is through God. And we have that responsibility to share with others how they can have that same peace. Number two, I am responsible to pursue peace with others. This is a point that we're going to spend the most time on tonight because I think it's so, so important to reconcile relationships, broken relationships. We all have them. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And Romans twelve eighteen says, pursue peace with all men. So this means every single human. This doesn't say only pursue peace with people that go to your church or people that believe the same way as you do or people that look the same way as you do or maybe somebody who's good at a sport Or maybe somebody who, um, you know, is very attractive. No, it says make peace with everyone. That's what the Bible tells us, that we want to pursue peace with all men. And pursue, that word means chase. We're chasing people. We're actually pursuing them. We want to have that, that peace with others. Christians are to be known as those who chase after peace and pursue peace with others. So again, I am responsible for this. And we are responsible to move toward where there is a broken relationship. And right here, the Lord really placed it on my heart as I was praying and preparing for this sermon to have you just take maybe five seconds and think about one person, one important person in your life who you have a broken relationship with right now. Just think about that person. How can you move toward that person? How can you reconcile? I don't want you to think at all. Stop thinking about the other person and what they can do. Stop thinking about what you can do. I'm telling you, God really places this on my heart today. It's about you and following the example of Jesus. The verse does not say, as far as it depends on the other person, make peace with everyone. It says, as far as it depends on you. And peaceful relationships come from intentional efforts. And I want to, you know, I've shared a little bit with you guys about my story and the fact that I have my youngest sister that doesn't speak to me, hasn't for eight years. She speaks to me, but it's calling me horrible names, or throwing things at me, or, um, you know, hitting me across the face. She's broken three of my mom's glasses, one of my twin sisters. Um, So she has spoken to me, but she's, she's lived a, a really sad life inside a disability that has just made her very bitter and angry. And so it's been very hard to be on the receiving end of that, and I haven't always handled it right. But I can tell you that living, trying my best to live these beatitudes and being a peacemaker, I have done made every effort to move toward her. Um, matter of fact, just sent her a text recently that said I loved her, um, I was sorry if I've ever hurt her, that I just you know would love to have relationship um, with her, and I've. I don't get text messages back, but she knows at the end of the day that I love her. And when she does fire at me, I'm not gonna fire back. I'm gonna put my hands up, you know, and surrender. So it doesn't always work that way and I haven't always handled it with that grace, but I, I really try to now. So think about someone that maybe is in that same situation as with you that you need to reconcile with. Go ahead, Hunter, you wanna show this video? So we're gonna look at just a very, incredible example of reconciliation
1: today a man guilty of the murder of a 50-year-old mother in 2017 and the 2018 homicide of a 17-year-old boy was told by a judge that he'll never leave prison alive but before he was taken away he had to hear the heartbreaking statement of the mother of the teen that he killed 24 hour when barton Dieters was in court he has this story tonight barton O'Brien today, Vincente Rodriguez-Ortiz remained apparently unmoved by the statements of the family of the woman for whose homicide he entered a plea. But that all changed when he faced the mother of the teen he was convicted of killing. Rodriguez-Ortiz was already charged with domestic violence against 50-year-old Lori Lundenberg in March of 2017 before he shot her in the head, according to police. But he would not be arrested for that crime until January 2018, when he was arrested for the shooting death of 17-year-old Andre Hawkins. Police said he made statements while questioned about the Hawkins slaying that provided evidence in the murder of Lundenberg. Today, before the judge handed down the life sentence, he had to hear from the mother of the teen he allegedly killed in a jealous rage. The grace displayed in her words stunned those gathered in the Kent County Circuit Courtroom.
0: In order to get through this process, I had to forgive you, and I forgive you from the bottom of my heart. I pray for you because as a mother, you're a child to me. And in my heart, I have no anger or bitterness towards you. As a mom, I just wanna hug you because I know that there's something that's not connected that made you feel so angry.
1: I just wanna say I'm sorry, Ms. Hawkins. Rodriguez-Ortiz did not apologize to the Lundenberg family. His attorney told me that there are appealable issues in the murder conviction, and if appeals court overturns that conviction, he could withdraw the plea. But those are long odds, and a life sentence is the more likely outcome. In Studio Control, Barton Dieters, 24-Hour News 8. Today, a man
0: guilty. Thank you. What an amazing image that you see of her displaying God's grace and love to this man who'd murdered her child. I have to tell you, as a mom, I'm not sure I'd be there. I sure wish and hope I would be, but boy, being in that situation, I don't know that I'd have... That grace, I—I I know I couldn't in my own strength. It would only be in the Lord's strength. And unfortunately, we've allowed the world to dominate us. Our conversations um, are not always seasoned with grace. And one thing I'd ask yourselves: Are you having more social conversations, more political conversations, more worldly conversations, or are you having more gospel conversations? That's a really good indicator. If your life would be drawing other people in to the Lord to want to know the peace that we have. And one thing that I would remind you with all this conflict, everything going on, remember who is still on the throne. God, he's on the throne and he is good. Just like this amazing woman. Being gracious and kind and merciful and loving and living this life of peace does not mean that you're not going to have conflict but it also doesn't mean that you're going to enable bad behavior. It's still, we're still going to be able to have righteousness and purity and truth, but the difference is when we give that information to somebody, when we tell the truth to somebody, it's seasoned with love. And I don't know if you remember from when I um, talked last, but I talked about the fact that we cannot win our enemies to Christ, right? Okay. So in order to be able to speak truth in love, to show that, you know, righteousness and period and all those things and, and speak those things, you have to be friends with that person. You have to have a relationship with that person. So again, it's, it's moving toward them. It's reconciling relationships, whether it's, you know, someone that you have just come to know, or again, you know, a, a situation where you have a broken relationship. Um, And as I mentioned before, I can't remember how I worded it, are you wanting to win an argument or win others to Christ? So this is kind of the same, are you trying to make a point or are you trying to make peace? So I think about social media because, and we talked about influencers a long time ago and I can't remember the name of the influencer with the most followers on Instagram, somebody probably knows it in here, some girl, I can't remember. But anyway, um, a lot of times on social media or these quote influencers feel like their opinion matters because it maybe does matter to these million followers who want to be just like them, but it's not necessarily an influencer who's going to influence somebody or millions of people to Christ. So, you know, you, you want to be known for that person that wants to make peace, not, you know, make, make your point. And what I'm getting at with social media and all these influencers is they always have some kind of a point to make, and they might take a stand for something that we don't agree with as Christians. So maybe they um, feel like abortion is right, or maybe they feel like gay marriage is right, or some of the hot topics that that we're dealing with right now um, in the the world, but especially um, with Christianity as Christians, um, we're being accused of all kinds of things because we're standing for biblical truths. And so then what happens is you have millions of people that follow this influencer and say, yep, that person's exactly right. But then they see you and they see your love, they see how peaceful you are, they see that you try to reconcile broken relationships and they want that. They wanna have what you have because they wanna live in that kind of peace and union. Unresolved conflict and relational brokenness have no place in the family of Christ, just remember that. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says, first be reconciled to your brother, then come and present your offering. So what Jesus is saying is that if you have a problem with your brother or sister in Christ, before you come to worship and you raise your hands in the air, you, go make, you make it right with that individual. You reconcile with that person. Um, how many of you have heard of the story of Joseph in the Bible with his brothers? You guys remember in, in the book of Genesis? So what do you remember about it, Nicholas? Do you Yep, exactly. So Joseph was the youngest of 12 brothers. Um, His father very much favored him because he had had him in old age. So he went to the lengths of making this really nice, beautiful robe for him. Um, His 11 older brothers were very jealous of this. Um, Then to top it off, Joseph was able to interpret dreams and he told them about a dream that he'd had where they would eventually be bowing down to him. And you can well imagine the jealous older brothers weren't very fond of that. Joseph may not have um delivered the message the best at that age either. Um but they plotted to first kill him, then decided to sell him. Sold him to the Midianite travelers, who sold him to Potiphar. Um Potiphar's wife accused of him, tr- uh, him of trying to rape her. He was put in prison. Long story short, um he ended up interpreting more dreams, interpreted a dream for Pharaoh and then was an, end up being elevated over um you know, over Egypt and he um because of the dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh, they actually saved up food. There was going to be a great famine in the land. So his family ended up, his brothers ended up having to come to Egypt to get food. Joseph recognized them, but he, they didn't recognize him. So anyway, um, as the story goes, he ended up ends up telling his brothers, I forgive you. He told them who he was. He wept. They wept. He said, I forgive you. He ended up bringing his father and their whole family there so that they would have food and um, be able to spend his last days with his father. But such a, such a testament of reconciliation. That was a 20-year span between when they sold him and when they came back to see him. And after all that time, he was able to forgive them, even being thrown in prison, being sold to slavery, falsely accused of all kinds of things. Talk about betrayal and unforgiveness and, and all of those emotions that most of us have felt, and yet he chose to forgive them. So very, very important that I am responsible to pursue peace with others. Number three, I'm responsible to seek to bring peace between others. So actively seeking to bring reconciliation pleases Jesus. So when we see brokenness as a, Christ, as a kingdom a citizen, we need to pursue reconciliation in other relationships, so those around you. Often what happens is kind of the opposite. Instead of, um, instead of, trying to help others to come to resolve, you often engage in conversation, which can actually be construed as, as gossip. So if you have two friends that are fighting, one comes to you and says, oh my gosh, Kaylee did this. Can you believe she did all of that? And and instead of saying, well, gosh, Kaylee's a really nice person. That doesn't sound like her. Let's go talk to her and see if we can work this out. You stand back and go, gosh, she did? Wow, I'm going to go tell three or four other of my friends so that's what happens right i think we can all relate, relate to that instead of trying to reconcile two friends we engage um in conversation which is basically called gossip and proverbs fifteen five says the soothing tongue is a tree of life but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit so it doesn't mean you're going to put your nose in everybody's business you see that you know some boyfriend and girlfriend are fighting you're not going to go put your nose in that business but what I'm telling you is that if you are called to reconcile a relationship between two, this is a Holy spirit led decision. It's Holy spirit led. <clears throat> Oops. Yeah, so that's it. So when you look at these three points, I underline I, and I underlined these words and I underline those because it's an action. So this is not a noun, it's a verb, just like all the Beatitudes, they're action, where we are called to do something. So we share how people can know and have this peace with God. We pursue peace with others. And I'm going to just probably double circle this one. This is one of the most important keys in being a peacemaker, is that you try to keep peace, especially with your loved ones. Okay? And then number three, we're responsible to seek to bring peace between others. So the promise of this beatitude. What I love about this beatitude, if you look at it, it, says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God." So this is what other people are going to say about you. They're going to say that is a child of God, and I want to be like that. They're going to know you by the way you keep peace, the way you behave, just that way about you. You you almost can tell when you walk into a room and you see a Christian there, because what do you notice? They're gentle. They're kind. There's a softness about them. So, the way you live out peace and reconciliation with others will lead people to Christ. People see something so radical in you that the world says, that is different. And Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So, let's pray. Lord, uh, I just um, pray that the words of of this beatitude and just the words that we've heard tonight, Lord, that, that we would be able to take action, that we wouldn't think of this as just a description of something, but that we would actually take action to live in peace with everyone, that we would most importantly move toward others, move toward reconciliation, whatever that looks like, Lord. And I just pray that others would see that peace in us and they would want have that same peace and joy, Lord, and that by being a peacemaker, by living at peace with people, by not participating in gossip and doing all those other things that we talked about, Lord, that that people would see you, that they would see you in these students, Lord, that as we go out, that we would be a reflection of you, Jesus. And I just pray for anyone tonight who is just, has a little stirring in their hearts that that they're feeling like I did when I was thinking about my sister today and the last you know, several weeks, that they would have a stirring to move toward that broken relationship, to make the first move, just like you did for us, Jesus, that they would take that step and say, I love you, I'm sorry for all that's happened, and I want to make this relationship right. God, if there's somebody in, that, in the room that you know is dealing with a broken relationship or friendship or situation with a family member, Lord, that that you would put that feeling in their hearts, that they would have the strength and the courage to make the first move, Lord. And I just ask that as we go out and about in our week, Lord, that we would be your hands and feet, people would be drawn, drawn to us, and more importantly, drawn to you through us. And I just say these things in your name. Amen.